0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Yeah, I'm pumped to bring the word today. Uh, I think my son, did he just pee again, Vanessa? (laughs) Elias has been peeing the last three days. I know, yesterday did it start? I think Vanessa woke up with a dream. Maybe this is prophetic for someone, or maybe this is a good segue into faith, hearing God's voice. But um, Vanessa actually woke up with a dream. I think it was yesterday or something like that. And it was a dream that he had peed all over her. And then that day, he hadn't done it in ages. That day, he didn't pee once. He peed how many times? Three or four times? Three times. And then today, he's done it twice already. It's 10.46 a.m. (laughs) He's already peed on it twice. So um, there you go. This is (laughs) an invitation. Today's message is an invitation uh to remind you how important faith is hearing god's voice faith comes by hearing it protects us faith keeps us on track and it keeps us safe and so look if vanessa listened to god speaking to her in her dreams she'd probably be a little less messy um (laughs) unfortunately we're all still learning right we're all Mm -hmm. learning to hear god's voice we're we're learning to obey so can you all pray for my wife right now? Pray that this is a sign. <laughs> I'm joking. This is? I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. All right. Let's get into it. So today we're going to be um, having a look at a story found in Joshua, the book of Joshua. And we're going to be reading in chapter five and chapter six. So this is the story. This is the fall of Jericho. So this is um, the journey of of the Israelites taking their promised land. And the title of today's sermon is Pursuing the Promised Land. And so I wanna challenge as as we're reading scripture and as we're discussing thoughts on what it looks like to live a life of faith and hearing him when he speaks, because we are in a series that we began last week on faith um, called When He Speaks. And so as we're reading through scripture and as the Lord's speaking uh, through this word today, I just want to challenge you to hear it in the context of the promised land that God is calling you into. Maybe it's a promised land of healing or inheritance or whatever it is. Maybe there's a business is calling you to birth. Maybe there's a family who wants you to start. Maybe there's a special someone that he's calling you to engage, whatever it is. Um, There is a promised land. There's always a next step in our journey and God is calling us into that. And I want to challenge you today that we would be a people that pursue the promised land. So let's have a read of uh, Joshua chapter 5 from verse 13. And I just want to make the parallel as we read this uh, between... Joshua and Jesus, I mean, literally the same name that just the Greek and the Hebrew versions of the name. But Jesus will lead us into seeing walls crumble, like we see in this story, a bit of a spoiler alert. Um, The Israelites take the town. um, They obey the voice of God. They see a miracle and they're able to advance the kingdom and and take the the land that God was giving to them. So Jesus in the same way, he's gonna lead us into seeing walls crumble. And uh, the question is, will you have faith to follow? Will you have faith to follow? No matter how strange or at times hopeless it might even seem, will you have faith to to follow? Will you pursue the promised land? That's the question this morning. So let's have a read from verse 13. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you open them up? If you've got iPads, iPhones, or you've got a device that you're not streaming on, you're able to access the Word, I encourage you to read along with me. I'd love you to join with me as I read. Okay. And a sign in verse 13. And it goes like this. Now, when Joshua, was ne- when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Imagine just in the middle of nowhere, out of nowhere, um, Joshua sees this man with a sword drawn. It's like he's ready for battle. And and so in that moment, Joshua can be intimidated. And he's like, are you, are you coming against me? Are you for us? And then the man answers, Neither, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. And he asked him, Imagine, he's trembling. Oh, this guy has come from the Lord. And he says, What message does my Lord have for his servant? What message? He asks this question. And then the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy. So Joshua did so. And then at the gates of Jericho, um, we see that the the, the gates of Jericho are already securely barred because of the Israelites were planning to come and take over. And so the Lord said to Joshua, this is in verse 2 of chapter 6, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. This is God speaking, giving a prophetic promise. We've spoken about process, Um, and promise, and prophetic promise. And this is God giving the promise. He says, I've delivered, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days and have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. This is, these are very like, intricate, precise instructions that the Lord's giving. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And so we ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. So Joshua is giving all these instructions. He's relaying what the, God, what, what the Lord has said. And um, it says, when Joshua, this is verse 8, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets and the Ark of the Lord covenant followed them. So they're, they're listening, they're obeying, they're carrying out the work of the Lord, the word of the Lord. And the armed guard marched ahead of the priests, and it continues down, verse 10. But Joshua commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voice. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Again, being very precise. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. And it says again, the next morning, it happened again. And then going down to verse 14, they did this for six days. Days And on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. It's like a shout of victory. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. And then it continues down in verse 20, when the trumpet sounded is the miracle, right? This is, this is receiving the promise. This is receiving the promised land. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. I think this is such a like a stirring of faith for us when we read the scripture to see that we can pursue the promised land and we will take the promised land that God promises to us. But there's some things here that we can learn, I believe, um, about pursuing the promised land. The promised land doesn't just come easy. I think there's more to it than just waiting on it. You know, Uh, God calls us to be good stewards. And so I think there's some things that we can read into here and learn about being good stewards with the promises that God is giving us. So I want to challenge you with some some things that uh, spoke to me when I was reading this. So the first thing is I believe God invites us to have a good posture, right? So posture, a posture to hear, a posture to receive, a posture to honor, to obey, to revere. Think about this story in Joshua when the, the servant of the Lord, the angel comes up, out of like, it's, it's such a surprise. But Joshua in that moment when he knows who this angel represents, he falls on his face in reverence. He's, he's, he's asking for the word. He's ready to listen, honor and obey. You won't hear him speak if you're faced away or you're dishonoring him or you're rejecting him before he even speaks. And so what we got to do is we got to create a platform for him to speak. We've got to create a space, create room for him to speak. I was reading this week in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter um, 1, I think it is, in verse 8 or verse, or maybe chapter 2. And it says, pay close attention, friend, to what your father tells you. Never forget what you learned at your mother's knee. Wear their counsel like flowers in your hair, like rings on your fingers. And I think Solomon here, he's challenging people to seek wisdom of their parents because the carnal human nature that we have is really it's like a rebellious uh, Protestant type protesting type culture where each generation seems to think they know best and uh, even as we grow and as we learn God's pattern is to honor uh, the people that we, the, the, the shoulders that we get to stand on top of, and and again, if if we fail to honor those that go before us, we miss out on learning uh, from their mistakes. But it's a culture thing, and I think God uses this kingdom culture to invite us in to receive the wisdom of the Lord in humility, you know, to have a posture where we're wanting to hear from God, even if it clashes with what we're thinking will work out best, right? Like and, and that goes with we do we do better to learn from leaders and authorities and parents and receive wisdom have a posture to receive wisdom. Sometimes I think we're so convinced that we know what's best, right? That's pride. That we won't even tune in to the frequencies that may tell us otherwise, right? Like we've we've actually switched off the frequencies that may challenge anything uh, that goes against what we believe and what we where we currently stand, right? And we miss out on the promised land, right? We we we're tuning that radio um, away from things that don't maybe tickle our ears. Uh, But what I want to challenge you to do is tune the radio and get proactive and precise about your position. How are you positioned to hear from God, to receive his word, to invite him to move in your life? Don't just go after seeking uh, what sits right with you. You know, people talk about, you know, that sits right with me and and the Lord's given us this, you know, the spirit of peace that guides us for sure. But I want to challenge you to welcome wise counsel, you know, welcome the Lord's messenger. Welcome the wild flows of the Holy Spirit, not just what seems right to us. You know the Bible says that what seems right there. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads unto death. The Bible also says that the heart, the human heart, is deceitful above all things. So I want to challenge you to have a posture to receive. Don't don't uh, don't don't stray away from what God is saying, but have a posture that welcomes Him. And I think often. Um, the problem is, we as humans—I mean, at least something I struggle with—I'll I'll be honest—is I struggle with control, uh, relinquishing control. If if you come over and you watch a TV show with me, you'll often find me on the um, the couch scrambling around. If I don't, if I don't yet have the controller in my hand. I'm scrambling around the couch looking for the controller because I want to hold the controller. I might have been watching a movie with Vanessa and we're we're sitting back, relaxing, and all of a sudden I realize I'm not holding the controller. And I'm like, Vanessa, where's the controller? Can you you pass it over to me? And I'm just exposing myself here, but I grab, I need, it's like I need to hold the controller. And I think that says, I'm like, I'm clinging to it, you know, and it's like, it's almost like a sense of comfort. Um, And I think that says something about And me and maybe it says something about you if if you're one of those people but sometimes I believe um, the right posture and the right position looks like letting go and surrendering control and choosing peace choosing patience and not looking to always hold on to everything Um, but we close off to the Lord if our posture is closed Um, fun fact right Like I was just thinking about uh, I was watching something really cool this week. It's just a documentary on the Netherlands, and it got me thinking about how sometimes we can be so uptight and so wound up and tight that we miss out on things. But I was I was looking at I was watching this documentary, and turns out that the Netherlands, uh, four no, no one quarter of the Netherlands is actually below sea level one quarter of the Netherlands is below sea level. So the Netherlands is highly prone to flooding. In fact, they used to get, they would get flooded like all the time, all through the, year, and uh, until they devised uh, a strategy. Okay. Cause you look at Netherlands now and they're not underwater and they've got all these amazing waterways and different infrastructure. Now they've got floating stadiums as well, like to kind of, um, to, um, you know, mitigate the risk. But, what they actually did is they have this state-of-the-art solution where they have this two hundred and forty-meter steel um, barricade, these these steel arms that they use to lock in the city when the sea level begins to rise. So that you know, so much of their land is below sea level, so they've they've come up with an idea of how they can keep that water. Out right, but I was I was looking at that, and I'm thinking, man, sometimes that's kind of like us. You know, we've we've gone through a a little too much. You know, life has been just a little too tough for us, and we start to build up a wall around us to try and you know hedge ourselves in and protect ourselves from the world. Um, But what we do is we actually close off to the Lord if our posture is closed, right? Like sometimes we're so tightly wound up and closed off and sealed off that we never hear from God. Because maybe it's because of, you know, valid, valid offense or valid hurt, or um, maybe there's bitterness or discouragement or just broken faith. And sometimes it gets us so tightly wound up. Uh, You know, think about how many times maybe you've got, you know, there's a sickness you're dealing with and how many times you've maybe sought out prayer for healing. I want to challenge you not to stop. Do not stop. Don't change your posture. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, she, It says in Scripture that she spent everything she had. In Mark 4, verse 25, it says there was a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So there's a woman who's got a an internal bleeding issue, right? It's, it's chronic. It's something that she's lived with. And it says that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. She was for lack of a better word, completely spent. She was spent. And maybe you feel spent, right? And it says that she felt spent, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse, right? But what we see is the story continues to unfold. As the story unfolds, we see that this woman has a posture where she she actually invites the Lord to, to to have room to heal her. She goes after Jesus. She grabs him. And as she reaches out, that's her posture. She reaches out for the Lord. She's healed in that very moment, even though she feels spent, even though she's got broken faith, she won't let that hold her back. No matter how poor in spirit she feels, she goes after it. And the challenge to you is this, keep your posture toward the Lord, aimed right at what God is doing. Um, I think about the story of Naaman. There's there's a um, scripture here I wanted to read. Quick story, right? There's a a rich, actually I can kind of read it to you and summarize it as I read it to you. This is in 2 Kings chapter five, right? There's there's a man named Naaman and he has leprosy. Okay. So he's struggling with the disease as well. Um, So Naaman was a commander. This is verse one of two Kings five. Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of the master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram and he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Uh, so, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive the young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife and she said to his, her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he could cure him of his leprosy. And so in that moment, he hears word of a prophet that could heal him. Now, he goes to an issue here, right? So, this, this man Naaman, he's a, he's a proud, esteemed, rich man, successful man. Even though he's got leprosy, he, he, you know, he holds himself in high contempt. And so um, it says, you know, in down in verse five, uh, Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 cents of clothing. So Naaman goes in and he's ready to pay for this miracle, right? He wants to pay for this. And uh, he he goes down and, and down in verse nine, right? Uh, Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stones. Stopped at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, "Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan." So this is uh, this is Elisha giving instructions. This is the prophet giving instructions to Naaman, and he says, "Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed." But here's the here's the the interesting part in verse 11. Naaman went away angry. Don't let your anger hold you back from the miracle, the promised land that God is calling you into, right? He he was ready to pay a price. Naaman came with all this money, but there was a different price that God was inviting him to pay in this moment. And he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot and kill me of my leprosy. Um, but then Naaman's servant comes up to him and reminds him, he says, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, Would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed, should you do it? And in verse 14, so he went down and dipped. this his name and he goes down, he changes his mind. He goes down and he dips himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And then, and then everybody say, and then, and then his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Wow. Now, if Naaman's posture was closed off to a work of the Lord because his pride kind of kept him off, you know, um, uh, postured away from what God wanted to do, he would have completely missed out, right? There are people out there that say, if God is real, He can just, you know, just do this or or speak to me or do that. And um, you know, people said to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, take yourself down off of that cross. Uh, now, God can reveal Himself in these ways, but it didn't always bear good fruit. Right? The Israelites saw God move and they still disobeyed him. Pharaoh got signs and plagues um, to let God's people go and he still disobeyed. Uh, John the Baptist's dad, uh, Zechariah, saw and heard an angel, a literal angel in his presence. And he still doubted and he ended up becoming mute until he saw the promised land, Right, the, the, the birth of his son. Sarah got a word from an angel and she laughed. I want to challenge you, don't wait on a word. It sounds a bit counterintuitive. It's not about waiting on a word or or waiting, sorry, waiting for a word. Um, It's more about getting hungry. I want to challenge you to get hungry. Stir yourself. Lean in. If you draw near to God, as the word says, he will draw near to you. It's a promise that he gives us. With our posture, we're not just welcoming the voice of God. We actually shut The mouth of the enemy and talkers and doubters and unbelievers. We we silence, um, you know, the doubt that comes to creep in. And so we should ask ourselves this, what about your current posture could be holding you back? Posture is key. Posture is key and we saw it with Joshua. He's face down and he's ready to receive. The second thing I feel God was speaking to me about in this scripture Is his plan right so uh, God's calling us to get into a posture to receive the plan it's about the plan and let me tell you there is a plan right in the midst of this chaos in the midst of uncertainty and when it feels like there's not much of a plan you know there is a plan like you look through scripture and sometimes you know the boring parts of the Bible where it's got the genealogy and this person is the son of this person is the son of this person is the son of this person it actually is It's actually an interesting piece of scripture to study because it shows that through all the mess through all the broken people and the broken moments and the discouragement and the delayed promises, what looks like delayed promises. God revealed his Messiah and God kept his word and God gave uh, to Abraham, the many sons he said he would, and God gave to Israel, the Messiah that he said he would, and God birthed the church and, and brought salvation to the Gentiles. Like he said he would through generations. Let me remind you in the midst of the chaos, when it feels like you can't see the context, there is a plan. There is a strategy. There is a story written about you in his books in heaven. The Bible says, so align yourself with his plan and do not step out of it. Joshua's story, right? We, we look at the story here and imagine, right? Instead of hearing God's word and obeying, imagine instead of marching, uh, the Israelites chose instead to wage war. Imagine that, right? It probably would have destroyed them. It would have messed them up pretty good at least, right? Uh, instead, they followed the plan to a T. As Arkham would say, they follow the plan to a T. And so I want to challenge you guys, get the plan from the Lord. Go to the Lord Once once you're in the right posture. So we do want a word from the Lord, right? I'm saying don't wait for the word. Get into the right posture. And then when the word of the Lord is revealed, stick to it. Stick to the word. The key to Naaman's healing was in the obedience, right? The key to the healing of the lame man that broke in through that roof, you know, that was looking for healing from Jesus, right? They, they tore open a roof and uh, his friends tore open a roof and they lay him down. Uh, they lower him down into Jesus's presence. And, um, and Jesus, you know, um, says to him, who, this man that wants to be healed, He says, take up your mat and walk, right? And his healing was connected to his obedience as he stood up and as he walks, uh, as he walked. So when Jesus speaks, let's follow his instruction. He is the great shepherd, right? He's the great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. In John chapter 10, uh, it says that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. There's like an intimate relationship happening in, in that we see um, it's described in that scripture. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. He says, he, he talks about how they're never gonna perish and no one can pluck them out of my hand. It's like the shepherd is saying, my intention is to keep you safe and those that are my sheep hear my voice. So when, when, you know, when we stray off, things go ho- horribly wrong. And you know, things go horribly wrong when we stray from the shepherd. Um, I-, I was thinking, I was meditating on this and I, I thought back to when I- I've been leading, I've had the privilege of leading youth for almost 10 years now. And uh, maybe in the early years, like maybe three years into it, we got, we started getting really good at marketing our events. and hyping them up and having an incredible atmosphere, having fun nights and all these great games. We started growing like exponentially, like for us, what looks like big numbers, like 60 kids and 70 kids. Um, But it was growing into something that Christ never called it to be. Now, God's not against growth. Don't hear the wrong uh, element of this story here. But you don't want to create a monster that you'll be forced to feed in the long run, down the track, okay? Um, When you're you're no longer obeying, the plan of the Lord. Um, and so we weren't seeing kids grow or mature or experience God like we should have been. And it seemed unsuccessful. I mean, sorry, it seemed successful, but it was really, it was unsuccessful. There was no fruit. These guys weren't disciples. Um, and so we we changed tactic uh, a little while later. And we ended up moving into homes down the track. And we moved into homes. We started opening up the word and discipling kids intentionally. And let me tell you, what happened next was incredible. We saw revival within the youth. We saw miracles. We saw signs and wonders. We saw young kids going into their schools and praying for the sick and seeing healings and coming back with testimonies. And uh, I remember times we went to youth camp and we prayed for camp staff and we saw them healed. And these kids were prophesying and I'm telling you, like, there was a lot more success in obeying the plan of the Lord, even though it conflicted with my plan. And, and we need to be reminded that things go terribly wrong when we stray away from the shepherd. Think about Abraham trying to fulfill God's promise by sleeping with his servant. It caused division in the house, jealousy, hate, destruction. Think about, you know, even today, man trying to get to God via religion, pre and post Christ, right? It causes pride. It causes religious wars. It causes debate and, and, and all sorts of issues. Um, we get hopelessly lost in our mess when we stray from the shepherd. Uh, and I think we see a picture um, in the parable of the lost sheep, of the shepherd having to go out of his way to find that sheep and carry it back. We get lost, right? Things go terribly wrong when we stray from the shepherd and his plan and his voice. But I do want to tell you this. Let me take a moment to remind you that you were never too far that God can't find you. You're never too far gone that God can't find you as the sheep. You know? You're know, you never too low below that he can't raise you up out of the water like Peter sinking in the sea. You're never too far off that he won't see you like the, the father and the prodigal son as the prodigal son begins to return. He sees him while he's still a long way off. The father saw the prodigal son even while he was far away off. There is always redemption, okay? He can redeem you into his plan. God uses all things for the good of those that love him. So hear this today. If you've heard his voice, I implore you today to obey. Make a decision now to obey. Stop delaying walking into the promised land. Stop delaying the fulfillment of what he wants to give to you, what he's already promised to you. All we're doing is delaying it when we stray from the shepherd and his plan. Uh, the first ingredient to faith is hearing his voice, right? So, are we going to him? Are we still going to him? Are we going to that waterhole? Are we going to the Lord? Uh, let's get his instruction, all right? Let's get his instruction. Turn to your neighbor. If you've got a neighbor with you, let's get his instruction. Let's get his instruction, all right? Um, yeah. When I was young, mum and dad did a lot of ministry and they did a lot of travel. And so often we'd be left with babysitters. So mum did a lot of preparation. She created a massive, she'd create these intricate plans. Mum would create these massive run sheets for our babysitters with instructions and how-tos and labels, labels all over the house and signs all over the house um, on how to, you know, deal with five kids and how to make sure that we survive and we stay alive. Because uh, babysitting five kids without this sort of plan or order would be absolute chaos, right? And and it, it would have served the babysitters well to stick to the plan that was given. They wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, there's a plan that's given that we don't need to stray away from. And I think of when someone is explaining to you even like how to cook a recipe, right? You pay careful attention, you write down everything, you know? Um, actually, I was thinking of, I saw this funny meme. Uh, Let me be a dad for a moment and show you this funny joke um, that I saw online All right, this is this is a um, wife talking about her husband. I was running late so I had asked my husband to peel half the potatoes and put them on to boil and That I'd be home soon after to finish dinner when I got home this is what I saw. <laughs> this, is, this is what it looks like explaining to your husband, you know, what you need to get done around the house if he's not a super, you know, um, domesticated guy. Um, but the reality is what I'm saying is we got to stick to the plan that's being given to us by our shepherd. There's a plan that he, he wants to give to us and that will suit us well. That'll lead us into the promised land. You know, when Vanessa sends me to the shops to go do grocery shopping, I don't just listen to her tell me this stuff, right? She tells me what she needs me to get. Then I get her to text it to me. Then I write it down in my notes and I put it in like a checklist so I can check them off and make sure I don't forget. I still usually, usually I get home and I still forget something. Uh, But then I call again and I make sure I'm getting like the right stuff, the right brand. Sometimes she sends me like screenshots Um, it can be kind of, I'm probably going over the top and it can be a little bit annoying, but the truth is this, right? We should be intentional about hearing the the plan, hearing the voice of God, hearing the plan, documenting the plan and executing the plan, right? Let's hear the plan. Let's document the plan and let's execute the plan. And the final thing that I felt God speaking to me about here in, in this story with Joshua taking on the promised land is persistence, Right? Um, God's called us to get in position to receive the plan and obey it with persistence. You've got to obey it with persistence, right? More often than not, it's not a one, two, three, easy recipe, right? We, I think we charismatic Christians uh, know and have faith for the gospel that brings prosperity, right? We, we believe in that stuff and it does because the gospel talks about how it will prosper you, that, that God's word will prosper you. And, uh, but the thing is often on our way to seeing the fruits, you're going to be planting seeds of persistent faith through seasons of pain or pathways of resistance. You know, it's not just, um, easy walking all the way through into that promised land. Do we know that, do we know and have conviction for the prosperity of the promised land, um, and still know how to lay our lives and take up our cross? Because it's not just about having conviction for the prosperity. It's, it's about getting there toward that promised land. Because it's going to look like laying down our lives. It's going to look like picking up our cross. It's going to look like living a crucified life like our Savior did so graciously. We know that God has a good plan for our life, right? But you're probably going to face a whole lot of pain on the path toward it. God has blessings for you, but you're, it's, it's really going to cost you. You know, that's the truth. It's good to hear this stuff. The Bible says, count the cost. There is a promised land waiting for you um, on your your arrival, but it's going to require your persistence. But here's the beautiful thing. If God said it, it is worth pursuing. It is worth persisting toward. If God promised it, you'll have grace to persist past the resistance. Uh, persistence right it looks like spending uh, a week in the gym and eating all the right food only to jump on the scales at the end of the week and not see any change but you keep going persistence looks like struggling through years of clashing at home with your partner but choosing to love and learn along the way persistence looks like Uh, sowing time, money, energy, and resources into a startup business or a creative endeavor. And after six months of what seems like a standstill season with zero progress, you choose to keep going. This isn't about motivation. Motivation is overrated. It's about discipline. It's about a choice to keep going, to persist. We need to re-rank discipline over motivation. Um, God's calling us to be a disciplined people. Okay, now it can sound rough, right? It's like, how am I supposed to do all this stuff? You know, like, but you gotta ask yourself, has God called you to this? Has God promised you this? Is this the plan God gave to you, right? I can look at where I'm at today and and I'll be, and I can be honest with you and say, man, me and Vanessa are stretched with with the first child that we've ever had, Um, you know, learning to look after a baby that cries and screams and it takes a lot of your energy and sometimes he doesn't sleep through the night. But you look at what you're living, and you ask yourself, okay, has God called me to lead a family faithfully? Yes. Has God still called me to faithfully lead in a church? Yes. Has God still called me to faithfully husband a wife? Yes. So, therefore, even though in seasons where I feel overwhelmed, I can be sure that the plan of God remains for me to be these things. So, God will give me the grace to persist. So the challenge is keep persisting. God's grace is there for this. I'm going to trust that he's going to remain with me, strengthening me as I persist. And as I persist, I'll notice his grace empowering me. James 1 says uh, to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Your faith sits on a spectrum like Think about how Jesus referenced the disciples in the boat. He says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Because they they were freaking out. They were were in a boat and you've got the storms and it felt like like they were going to be capsized. They're in a moment of just the the storms were raging and they thought their boat was going to be destroyed. So they go down where Jesus is sleeping in the the bottom of the boat and they say, Jesus, wake up. We need you. We're going to die. We need your help. And Jesus comes up calmly. And he tells the the winds and waves to be at peace. And uh, he says to them, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But here's the thing, right? Even the the Bible says, you only need faith as small as a mustard seed to move mountains, right? But these guys doubted and they short-circuited their faith, okay? Uh, But persistent, perseverant faith will get you to the promised land. There's a difference between a short-circuited faith or a, a little amount of faith and a perseverant, a persistent faith. These trials, these tests, the resistance that you're facing produces a perseverant, persistent, pervasive faith that will sustain you through to the promised land. I think about mom and dad faithfully serving for 30 years. You know, uh, church plants typically last. The average lifespan of a church plant is five years. Five years. Mom and dad 30 years ago planted this church, Glorious Gospel Church, and they persisted in and out of season, right? Think about how many stories that they've lived. You look through scripture and we're encouraged to see, you know, these many men and women of faith living lives of faith. We have our very own pastors here, the senior pastors of this church, have lived lives of faith that have gone through opposition they've gone through resistance but they've continued to persist because they know the plan of the Lord and they're convicted by the plan of the Lord and and I'm thinking even now with our inheritance locked up in Leichhardt in that building because God is calling us to that building we know that God's spoken there are prophetic words that have been given there is there is too many signs to count and it's all been lined up for us so they're not gonna let doubt or unbelief hold them back from walking into it. And they're going to walk us into it. And, and it's this idea of being people that persist. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. In the face of resistance, you're going to need persistence. Don't panic over taking uh, those overwhelmingly daunting paths. Uh, But instead, I want to challenge you instead to push through, to persist, Pursue your promised land, pursue your promised land. Okay, God is calling us to pursue our promised land. Get into a position to receive the plan and then obey that plan with persistence. Obey the plan with persistence. The Israelites did it that for seven days, they're marching around these walls of Jericho. And you can imagine, you know, the, the Jericho people, the people of Jericho taunting them, looking looking at the Israelites and thinking, if we really think you're gonna take this land? Like, uh, and and you, can, you, you, know, you can put yourself in that story and think about when people mock you or taunt you for sticking to a word of the Lord. And, but I want to remind you that these guys got their miracle. They persisted seven days and stuck to the plan of the Lord and they saw the promised land. They walked into the promised land. They walked into the promised land. There is a prologue to this whole process, okay? And it's this. A price was paid your promised land there's actually a price that was paid for your promised land so it would be uh dishonoring of us to throw it away to throw away the promised land because you've given up on the pursuit uh jesus paid a high price for you to live and be all that he's called you to be to live in the promised land and to be that person that God has called you to be. How valuable that promised land to the one that paid for it. How valuable it is to our king that laid his life down so that you could walk into what he's called you to live in. He invites you to experience a sense of that value um, as you carry the cross, right? Because he values it. But he's calling us to value it as we carry our cross, as we persist, as we stick to his plan, as we work through that prophetic process, as we pursue the promised land with persistence. Um, But imagine throwing out something that someone's prepared, you know, maybe you've gone to a party and you've plated up some food and you give give that food a taste and you notice you don't really like it that much. And and then you're you're left with that um, interesting scenario where, you know, we've all been there Like, okay, what am I gonna do with this food? Do I squish it up in a napkin? Do I leave it on a table, pretend I'm coming back for it? Or do I chuck it in the bin and hope nobody sees it? It's always scary chucking it in a bin because you know, the host is gonna look back at it later and think, why did all my food get chucked out? And the reason we're scared to do that is because we have an awareness of what it costs someone to make the food, to put on the party. And so I wanna challenge you to get back to an awareness Of the price that Christ paid for you to live in your promised land. This isn't something to be taken lightly. Don't wait to live in heaven on the other side of this reality. God has called us to be an apostolic people that pray that we would see heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Remember Jesus prayed, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Um, Get in a position right to receive the plan and obey it with persistence. Um, imagine the Israelites stopped marching after the sixth day, or they didn't feel emotionally invested enough to shout on the seventh day, right? They get right through to the end, but it's like they're they're on that last day, but they they do it all. But they're like, man, Joshua, we're not going to shout. No, this is, this is embarrassing enough. Um, but no, they shouted and, and the shout speaks of authority. I believe they shouted, they declared what was theirs. They knew what was theirs and they fought for it in the way that God called them to fight. I think that's key as well. Just I'll, I'll leave it on that. They caught, they fought for what God was giving them in the way that God called them to fight for it. So I hope that this challenges you because this challenged me reading through Joshua 5 and 6. Uh, God has called us to be a people that are in position, ready for his word, right? We're in position and uh, ready to receive the plan. When we get the plan, let's revere it. Let's write it down. Let's let's, let's study it and let's obey it, execute it with persistence. Let's be a people that go after the promised land. Let's pursue the promised land and and it looks like a whole lot of things in our context, guys. It looks like, you know, as a corporate church, let's get this building. Let's, let's see us uh, work into the church of God's called us to be, where we see revival hit Australia, where we see many people saved, where we see the streets filled with the love of Jesus. And, and it's also the prophetic personal inheritance that belongs to you, things that God has promised to you. Waiting, you're, maybe you're waiting on fulfillment of those promises and you're looking for breakthrough. Do not stop. Pursue the promised land. I want to challenge you to pursue the promised land because it is worth it. Jesus paid a high price for you to live in that promised land. And it wasn't just meant for the other side of eternity. It's meant for today. So count the cost, find that plan and uh, pursue it with persistence. I hope that blesses you. I'm going to pray for us and uh, just pray that the Holy Spirit works that word within us. Then I'll hand back over to Sal. So Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. Uh, your word speaks so clearly. Your word is filled uh, with with just you know beautiful um, elements of who you are. We get to study who you are in your heart for us, and we thank you for speaking to us this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're reminding us to be a people that, in face of uncertainty, in the face of delayed promise, um, that we would pick up your plan, that we'd get into a position where we'd pick up your plan and we'd run forward with persistent hearts going after that promised land pursuing the promised land we just pray that uh, you would stir within us a heart that values the promised land again that we would uh, hold a high value for the promised land that you're calling us into we pray even now that you'd reignite dreams people that are watching and listening here that have dreams that feel they've been delayed or for reasons uh, that you know like like covert or other things reasons um, there, there may be reasons that they feel that these promises are delayed. I just pray right now that, that you would restore to them faith and that you would restore to them um, a faith that stirs them to believe and to go after the dreams, the promised land that you have set aside for them. And I pray that you would refresh your people, God. Refresh us and uh, open up your word to us and let it, um, let it work through us. This word that we read today, we just pray that you would work it through with us. Um, in the coming weeks and months and we would live it out in Jesus' mighty name. And uh, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us GGCLife at ggclife.com From our house to yours, be blessed.